Welcome to The Drummer's Pathway, the podcast about music, life, and the creative process. Hello, I'm Michael Scott, and welcome to The Drummer's Pathway podcast. This episode features part two of my roundtable discussion with Matthew Krause and Zach Obeda from the Working Drummer podcast. In our conversation, we continue our discussion about assessing and knowing your value as an artist and finding joy and a good life balance as you establish the career paths that you have chosen to follow. Be sure to go back and check out episode 26, which features part one of our conversation first, if you haven't had the opportunity yet. Now, let's get started with part two. I saw some clip of a um, a pastor a few years ago, um, and I. But before I tell this story, like uh, I'm, Matt is going to have to help me out here because I'm I'm not a churchgoer, and Matt, like in addition to like, what are some what's some shit that volunteers at a church do? Like, there's usher, there's you know, like if you're working the uh, cafeteria or whatever, like. There's a bunch of shit that people volunteer for, right? Cafeteria? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of churches? <laughs> <laughs> you know, churches have food. Anyway, the, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah, the pastor... Awesome. Yeah, the community, people volunteer to do all kinds of things. Yeah, uh, right. babysit or, you know, work in the nursery and yeah. Right, right, great. So this pastor was like, I, I guess within the church, there was some backlash among the congregation that the musicians at the church were being paid. And they they were saying, like, you know, this is this is a worship service. This is like, you know, these people are members of the church. We shouldn't be paying them or maybe they're not members of the church. Maybe members of the church should be volunteering to play. And this pastor said, I'll tell you why we pay these musicians. Any one of them can be an usher or, you know, babysit the kids or um what were the other things you like get out the vote or, you know, give people rides to the hospital. Like any one of them can do any one of the volunteer jobs that y'all do. None of you can get up here and do what they do. That's why we pay them. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, he just sort of called it out. Like we're putting value on what they do and we appreciate what you do, but yeah. you can't do what they do. <laughs> it's a profession. Yeah, but and you know it's interesting because I know I know you've done paid church gigs. You were doing that for a while before you got this new gig, and right. Um, and evidently, I didn't pay attention to what the various jobs are. So. <laughs> you, um, weren't on, you weren't on the sign up list, <laughs> and, and 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 I mean, I, this might be unrelated, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, it's like when 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 we first moved to Nashville, we were looking for different churches, and that was one of the elements of a church that we wanted was someplace where they weren't hiring a bunch of musicians because we wanted this where we wanted the people. And, and we find ourselves in churches where sometimes like the piano player is paid. Everyone else is part of the, the, the community that just volunteers. And sometimes the music is not great, but it comes from, a <laughs> but it comes from an honest place that way, right, but they mean it. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's just a style. It's just a way that connect that resonates with us. So, I mean, I know it's just not really 
doesn't really relate to to what you're saying but but no that that's the case that's definitely uh, a thing that uh, especially when I was working in a club uh, a couple years ago and uh, the manager was like saying you know you guys and not to me because I said if if, they, if he says anything to me I'm, you're gonna have to find another drummer but like they were telling band leaders and like you guys got to play this kind of song you got to play this got to play that and they were just kowtowing to everything that he was saying and I was telling some of these younger musicians I said I could do his job right now I could, I could <laughs> I'd like to see him come up here and entertain and know how to entertain these people and figure out what songs to play and stuff like that. Like, and, and that fell apart. That definitely, that, that, that model fell apart, but no, I, it is really valuing yourself, your time, your energy, your art, your dedication. Uh, and, and Zach, your therapist was right. I mean, the sacrifice that we make, um, beyond just the hours we put in, I think is really, really important to recognize, especially when it comes to relationships and family and all yeah. this. And it, you know, it's, it's not something that you have to um, be a martyr about, uh, but it, it needs to factor in to how you value yourself. Yeah. I remember years ago playing cover band gig at this real dive hole of a bar that had a cool sound system. So the drums and the PA always sounded cool. So it was actually somewhat fun, but it was always interesting because there's lots of characters there. And I remember we got there and we set up and we were doing our sound check. And there was a guy who had obviously been at the bar underage for probably most of the afternoon drinking, you know, ran up to the front and kind of said, Hey, you guys are really cool. I'm in a band. We played here too. We got free beer. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, <laughs> So did we. I'm not a drinker, I said, but so did we. And we also got paid hundreds of dollars to be here. So at that point, it's like I appreciate the enthusiasm, but it's really came down to kind of experience where for him it was, hey, we, we got an opportunity to do something kind of fun. Where to me, this is a gig where I'm being compensated for a skill set that I had developed. One of the other skill sets that's also essential for working musicians or anyone in the arts to also learn is it's okay to say no, but you don't have to explain why you're saying no, because uh, yeah. that will also sometimes create tension. It's like, oh, I don't want to yeah. do this gig because it's not paying enough money. You don't have to tell people that. You just have to say, hey, sorry, you know, I would, I would love the opportunity to work with you, but unfortunately I'm not available that night. But too many times... Yep. You try and explain or justify why you're not willing to do the, the gig. And yep. it, it does not matter because they don't really care. They just they'll hire the next person on the list. But sometimes the more you try and justify it, the further away that opportunity will be in the future. For sure. And, and learning how to just say, like, you know, I, I appreciate it, but I'm not available. Um yeah, you don't have to explain because, the, you know, saying you're not available, like that is the truth. You're not lying to them. Right. But you're just not saying why you're not available and what, you know, you might not be available because you're already booked for a gig. You might not be available because you're going to be out of town. Um, you might not be available because their gig doesn't pay enough. Mm -hmm. Like those are all valid reasons and they're all covered by the term not available. Um, I, well, it, I've been working more in town and I get people that call me like, man, are you available tomorrow night? You know, it's sometimes there's a last minute thing. And if I'm not, I can't. And I'll, I'll be like, I am so sorry I'm not. 
but thanks for calling. Please try me again mm-hmm. next yes. time. Yes. Next time. Yeah. And um, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, av- I'm not available. I don't like you. Uh, that- <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and this is the thing, like you can, you can sort of passively uh, uh, weed the garden of the gigs that you're getting offered, where if, like if, if somebody offers you a gig and, and you're genuinely not available and you really like that person oh, yeah. and you want them, you want them to call you again, then you say like, I, like, I really appreciate you trying me. Please, please try me again next time. You know, like you can leave that door open, but if it's someone you're not nuts about and you don't want to work for them and you know, their gigs never pay enough, you can just say, I'm, I'm not available. I'm sorry. So, and so, leave it at that. <laughs> I, when I left my road gig a few years ago and I was kind of working my way back in the local scene, I was I was working, but it wasn't with a band I wanted to. And it started to lead to other things. And then I had a chance to finally play with the band. And they were they were great. I really love working. with them. And after that first gig, I texted the, the guy. I said, I said, I really enjoyed working with you guys. Um, I just want you to know that. If you need somebody, if you need me in the future, I will make space for you in my calendar because I really valued, I really enjoyed the time uh, and uh, working with you guys. I'm not like, dude, if you need somebody, call me. It was, I will make space for you because I just really value the work that you do. And, um, and that's, that's, that has turned into other things. And that has been a five-year relationship since that time. I mean, he goes, and he got back to me, he's like, well, I don't need anybody for a couple months. He goes, because I'm, we've already got people that we've got booked in, but, but I will start calling you. And I became a regular guy, you know, for sure. And we talk about it and he goes, yeah, when you sent that text message, I was like, okay, he really likes what we do. He's, I'm not going to have to worry about whether or not he's going to take this gig seriously. Cause he, not, I wasn't desperate. Like, man, you sound desperate. Like, but he values what we do. And if I was a band leader, I would want to hire musicians that want to be there. And so right. I fit the bill and we've become friends. We've become close. And that has turned into meeting uh, and it has turned into other gigs, recording live and otherwise. Yeah. In terms of uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that, that dude that, you know, the convention dude that got up and played drums and, and how it was. Uh, I, I think it I think it's stuck in your cross so much because it was a symptom of how some people just don't understand what the fuck we do and and why it should be valued not just from an artistic altruistic sense but in terms of like fucking cash on the barrel um and uh it it reminded like there's there's a there's a a musical parable sort of i don't know if it's a true story or not but like anytime i've told this to numerous people who i could tell like didn't really understand what it is musicians do um so I, I don't know if this actually happened or not, but imagine, you know, a father of the bride calls up a band leader and says, hey, my daughter's getting married. It's on Saturday, such and such a date. Uh, we would like to have a live band. How much do you charge? And the band leader quotes him, you know, I don't know, five grand or something, you know, pretty standard for a wedding band. And the father of the bride is like, man, five grand. That's that's a lot of money just for just for a band, just for some live music. And the guys, the band leader says, okay, how about this? Call the plumbers union, ask them what they would charge for six plumbers to show up to your house on a Saturday night for five hours. Whatever they quote you, will do it for half. (laughs) 
I had a friend of mine that had worked in a band and the band leader that he worked for at the time was known for sometimes being someone that wasn't afraid to state his opinion. Great player, but he, um, but that was kind of his reputation. And then he, he had tried, tried to, tried to book it. <laughs> but, 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 Dude, but I'm apparently, right here. <laughs> But apparently he he went to book a gig and then as typical, a lot of times the, uh, the club owner had said, well, the first time the band comes in, you know, we, we pay you this much. And then if everything goes really well, then we'll actually pay you twice as much because that's, you know, like that's the standard, but everyone has to play for half the first time. So he's like, so, um, let me consider that. I'll, I'll think that over, but um, I'm kind of hungry. So I want to order a steak off your menu, but I'm going to pay half price for it. And if the steak's really good, when you hire <laughs> us again to do this other gig, then I'm going to pay full price for the steak when I come back to do the second gig in this club. And that didn't right. go for particular, but it's exactly the same principle. Exactly. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, about the latter um about how there is no standard and it's up to everybody to decide for themselves so for you guys for that band leader that was a deal breaker that was like fuck no we're not going to play for half price that's bullshit that's stupid here's why and that's totally valid but that's you like you you can't say you can't then say that this place shouldn't exist or that <laughs> nobody should play here because just as as was the case with matt like there was somebody behind him he was like, let me pass you to this guy. He'll do it for this much. And so I assume that there were other bands that played at that bar that were willing to make that arrangement. Mm -hmm. They were probably younger. They probably weren't as good, but they got a gig. They probably got future gigs. You know, that those restaurant goers got a live music experience for better or for worse. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's up to, everybody on a case-by-case -case basis to determine what their value is and what their boundaries are and what compromises they're willing to make. Well, and because sometimes in those situations, Zach, as you said, it's, it's the younger, and I don't mean age-wise, it's just, it comes down to experience. It's, it's the younger yeah, people yeah. that want, want the opportunities and it's a way for them to get exposure and to learn their craft. And so for them, that's, starting at the bottom of the ladder and then for other people in on the club circuit it's a social thing for them they got their full-time jobs they got their income they don't care about the money so whatever the money is it's for them it's the night out and and the problem is is for us in the middle of that whereas yes it can be a social aspect but at the same time too this is also one of the things that we do for a living and trying to kind of find that balance and that's kind of where that that challenge comes into play the you know the the inexperience and the it's a hobby fun thing so we really need to kind of look at what we consider to be our value and find and make those decisions that work for us i, I think it, it is again to reinforce what both you guys are saying it, sometimes it's just about educating the general public about our value there's a band i'm playing with uh, the last couple of years and uh the singer who handles the business does is so savvy and does such a great job making sure that we are paid for our time and valued for our worth that there's times she's turning gigs down and she's like i'm so sorry but i had to turn this down and we're behind her 100 because more often than not there have been times when we got called last year to do a, a corporate gig it was a party 
And then they said, okay, we're going to have a meeting that morning. And we have a, a, a coworker that rewrote the words to this song and, and we're going to play the video. And what we want to do is we want to have then as the video fades, the curtain falls and he's there with a live band, you guys playing behind him and, and him and him singing the song for real. How much would you charge for that? And she's like this amount, the same amount we were getting paid for the four hour, three hour party we were playing that night. And she's like, what? Are you serious? She's like, yep. She's like, I don't, I don't know if we can do that. I'll, I'll have a meeting. Four business days later, they call us back. They're like, okay, we'll do it. And like, I don't know if it was explained to her, but like, you just don't show up and play for 90 seconds. You have to sound check. You have to show up. You have to do this stuff. You have to like, okay, how are we doing this song? Um, along with the fact that who else is going to do it? If they re if this is what they're envisioning, and this is a huge company with people from all over the country being here for this 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 convention or whatever the fuck it was, but it basically it was you're hiring us not only for our time but for our skill set, and um, you know luckily they agreed on it, and you know I like to say I paid I played for ninety seconds got paid this amount of money, but it it was truly. Like we had to do that. We had to set up, we had to do all this stuff even the day before, but, but I just, right. she, she is educated. And, and, and I think the lady was just like, well, I don't get it because, because the way they pay people, the way they, they compensate their employers, their contractors is, uh, is on a different basis. Uh, like you say on their, on, on the product they're putting out on the time that they're working. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. And the singer, she handled it in such a, in a wonderful and a diplomatic way that it educated the person and they, they were ecstatic. They loved it. And, you know, it was great, but it's like, it's just because we're talking about musicians, we're talking about in the music industry and stuff like that, but we, you have to deal with club owners and business people and things like that, that love to take advantage of that hungry musician that just, we just need warm bodies up on stage playing, whatever. There, there is definitely that, and we we all have to like hack through the jungle in that sense. On the flip side, sometimes money just gets fucking thrown at you for no reason to the point where, like you said earlier, Matt, like you feel kind of guilty about like I got this much money to do that. So you know when when that happens, take it. Just, mm -hmm. just, it's you know there's there's going to be it's going to be feast or famine, maybe on a single gig. Um, and I'm reminded of it's been a long what? time. It's been a long time since I've felt guilty about some of. I mean, I've, <laughs> especially yeah. when, when I, there, people if they, they, there was a, a people that flown us out to the West Coast to do a couple of things, and I'm like, I see what you're doing here. I see the party you're throwing. I see the car you're driving. Right, and I know there, there, there and I know there's bands in wherever like we were in seattle i know there's great bands in seattle that could do this gig but they won you wanted us right for sound and because we're from nashville um so yeah i'm taking your money yeah i i uh <laughs> there was a buddy of mine named uh, mark cobb who's a great atlanta drummer and he played in uh, yacht rock review for a long time um and yacht rock review is like they do concerts and private events you know all they're traveling constantly and he told this story about they were they were doing a corporate party for Caterpillar tractors. Um, it was like their big annual fucking gala, whatever. Um, so, you know, they flew them out and, and they played the gig and they were exhausted. I think for whatever reason, they had just had a string of like gigs and flights and gigs and they were just shredded. 
and they had to take a red eye home after the gig. Um, and they got done with their set. You know, they played for their allotted time. And the wife of the CEO came up to him and said, oh, oh, y'all, we were just so fantastic. People are, people are loving it. People are still hanging out. Could, could you just play another 30 minutes? And they were just like, oh, my God. Like, in, inwardly, they were like, fuck me. I can't. <laughs> just no, no way. And the lady could kind of see they were like, they were balking. And she went, 10 grand? and and they just looked at each other and then she went cash (laughs) so they they dug deep and played another 30 minutes and walked out of there with 10 grand in cash (laughs) so you know in addition to all the horror stories there's you know that happens too (laughs) i used to uh, play in a band with a friend of mine who had a really good savvy business sense and he uh you know, he would get calls all the time to do all these different things. And he would make the decision kind of upfront, whether it was something that was a value or for what we had to offer. And I, res- I really respected that. And he got a, and he uh, got a call once um, for an organization because they wanted to do a charity fundraiser. And I've done lots of charity things and I, I have no problem playing something for free if I see value in what they're doing. And he's like, we do charity stuff all the time. Not a problem. So what I just need to confirm First of all, this you know what it, what what the fundraiser is for, and then because you're not paying the band, I just want to confirm that the DJ is not being paid, that the caterer is not being paid, that the wait staff is not being paid, and that the MC is not being paid, <laughs> and that and that and um, because it's a charity event, so all of the money that we're trying to raise has to go to the charity. So once we can confirm that in a written document, here's my contract. Um then let's discuss and line up the dates that you're that you date you're looking for. Oh no, uh, that we have to pay the DJ. Well, then it's not a charity event. So we don't do that. So right. you're, you're looking right. for free, you're looking for free under a charity event means everyone is donating their time. And he wasn't afraid to have those conversations and and so which was great cuz you wouldn't end up in situations where you're being taken advantage of because people don't look at music as being something of value that's a service that needs to be paid for they look at it so oh you're gonna have fun it's great you'll get to play for some people well i also have fun sitting on my couch you know with my wife watching tv or reading a good book or going for a walk and sometimes that's more fun than playing the fundraiser that i didn't want to be at in the first place so it's not always about being paid for the thing it's really just about finding what's important i've done charity gigs where the the artist is paying out of their pocket they're like mm-hmm. guys listen i'm donating donating my time but i'm not expecting you to do it so i'm gonna right. go ahead they might let us know or maybe there's an because the wife the wife the, the work that <laughs> my wife does uh sometimes involves charity things and they'll have an underwriter mm-hmm. support uh the things so it, it, i mean there's there's ways to to make it happen for sure. Yeah. Back when I was writing articles for Drummer's Resource, um, I uh, I wrote an article based on um, this thing I had seen tacked to a wall in a green room. I was playing a musical in L.A. and in the green room, uh, there was this piece of paper tacked to the wall. I don't know who put it there. I didn't know how long it had been there, but it was the Ten Commandments of Showbiz. And one of them was eat when you can. Mm-hmm. And another one was, uh, your integrity is not what you think it is. 
And another one was, do not underestimate the poor taste of the artistically pretentious. <laughs> the I know, I commandment, who wrote it? Henry Rollins. No shit. Yeah. Fuck me, that makes even more sense. Okay, so where I'm going with this was like, he went through all these commandments, but the first commandment, commandment number one was take the money. Yeah. <laughs> They had, they had that printed on a stage on a cruise ship I was at, and it was amazing. God, uh, I had no idea that was Henry Rollins. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it does so I wrote this article sort of unpacking each each one of those commandments. But yeah, like, take the money. <laughs> that should be the subtitle of this episode, Michael. Take the money? <laughs> when you do social media stuff, you could have like a Steve Miller song playing in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be very respectful of your time because I know that you um, are both very busy. Um, but one of the things, questions that I was curious about is through the interviews and things that you've done, what were some of the most surprising experiences? Because we all have perceptions sometimes of the people that we want to interview. And then sometimes it ends up being in a completely unexpected direction and what were some of those experiences definitely uh, one of the most unexpected um things that that pops out in in my memory is when i interviewed bill stewart who is just one of my idols i spent you know a lot of my 20s just trying to be a clone of him uh and he you know he's just one of my mount rushmore guys i've always loved him so i got to interview him and he's he's a very you know, soft-spoken, like very, very kind and polite, but not super talkative. Um, and, uh, and you know, the, the interview ended up going, going great. But towards the end of it, I asked him a question that I ask not everybody, but, but a lot of people, especially someone who has like a resume behind them. Um, I asked him like, is there something on the horizon for you? Like you've done all this stuff. You've played with all these people. Is there something out there that you're still like trying to get to is there is there a particular artist that you've always wanted to play with or a particular you know style or subgenre of jazz that you've wanted to delve deeper into like you know you're at this point in your career is there something that's sort of still out there for you and he was like no not really <laughs> uh and and he just kind of described how he's content um with uh, the artist that he gets to play with and he's content with how he plays and the experiences that he gets to have as a drummer. Um, and it was just kind of a revelation for me to consider contentment as a virtue in your music career, because we talk all the time about hustle. We talk all the time about ambition. And, you know, we've talked today about climbing the ladder in terms of how much money you make and the, you know, the platform of your gig and your notoriety. And we all are told, going back to the beginning of this interview, one of the things that we are all told that we should want is more, right? A bigger gig, more money, cover a modern drummer, whatever. But Bill Stewart was like, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, like so him, that good. Yeah, right. If I fucking played like him, I'd be pretty content too. Uh, <laughs> um, but that was that was just kind of a slap upside the head for me to to look for ways to 
be content and, and just, you know, drop the hustle sometimes. And, you know, maybe sometimes your ambition is actually a bad thing. (laughs) Um, so that, that stands out as kind of a a surprising experience in one of my interviews. I I think some of the just philosophical revelations like like that example with Bill is is something that constantly surprises me. My interview with Terrence Clark a few years ago was the same. Uh, I didn't really, he was recommended to me by someone in town. This is long, this is before his, before he had his gig with Keith Urban and, and all that stuff. And it was before that. Um, and I, Zach, I, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Are you going to be able to line that up or anything? I'm I'm in the process of trying to line up a second interview with Terrence because you know we we've, we've been doing this long enough now that um you know some of the drummers that we interviewed years ago have completely different lives now and are in completely different gigs or different cities and so we're starting to circle back to some of these people because there's like there's a whole other chapter to discuss. I'm just I'm very excited about that. I that you know when you asked about uh, reaching out to him it because he was he was somebody uh, kind of like a Jamie Wallum where they're just dropping truths right and left and and <laughs> you're like did we even talk drums or music? And, <laughs> uh, so so that that you know there's two right there but but more importantly there's just this this is a general um this thing that that it not doesn't it it kind of surprises me but just the generosity of our guests almost a hundred percent of their willingness to open themselves up not only donate their time and you know get into these deep conversations but allow us to uh look under the hood and ask some tough questions and uh you'll get people opening up to you and um, saying, I, I, I don't normally, I've never told anybody this story, but blah, 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 or something. And so I, it's it just this, I'm, I'm now passing this on to my son who wants to be a musician. And I say, listen, if you've got some people that you look up to, some questions about how a, your hero is doing something or how people are doing the thing that you want to do. I said, reach out to them. You would be surprised at the generosity of people and, and, and the, their willingness to share their information and share their story with you. Don't think, oh, this person, they're never going to want to talk to me. I'm a nobody. Um, and, um, and I said, and I tell him, I said, if there's one thing I've learned from doing the, doing the podcast is People are just, they're, they're happy to share. I mean, people love to talk about themselves, but more importantly, we're in an industry that is dependent on community and dependent on the partnership and, and friendships and, and all this stuff. And then on top of that, drummers are notorious for being a tight community and willingness to share. Uh, they're, they're so I know it really doesn't answer your like there's isn't one that stands out because over time it's like I may be like and we we did a, like a best of what I think episode 300 like these are some yeah. of our favorites and you know they they cover things like just revelations I I think Bill was on that uh, there was another and his name escapes me but it's like uh, oh Harry um Harry Myrie Harry Myrie um 
was very candid and open about attempting suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's those things. And, um, and Michael, I hope you experienced this, or maybe you have already is you'll get listeners that will reach out to you and say, thank you for this episode. I so needed it. I needed to hear this. Um, and that is a surprising and a wonderful thing that has been a byproduct of this podcast is knowing that people are hearing this, feeling inspired by it. And, um, that is that is just this full circle that inspires me uh you know one one of the things that i found is because like i said i i i have a a day job that's non-music related and i told people i was starting a podcast and everyone's like oh we're gonna listen to your show and i'm like well you don't have to like i don't i don't need you to listen to my show but i'm just sharing the fact that i'm accomplishing something that's significant to me and then my um my my boss came you know in a couple of days later and she's like well, I listened to your first episode and it was really interesting and then I have people that kept listening to the show they said we don't know anything about drums and we're not really musicians but they found the content interesting because I didn't want to start a pod yes mine's the the drummers pathway podcast but I didn't start a podcast to talk about drums I yeah. started a podcast to talk about challenges and learn people's stories and how they overcame that. Because by listening to your show and um, going back to um, Nick Ruffini's um, Drummer's Resource podcast, which was so iconic um, in my development, I was able to deal with challenges in my life by learning other people's stories. And for me, I'm, I was deeply humbled by some of the guests that I've had on my show. And I'm 25 episodes in, so I'm still early in my podcast journey. But I've had some pretty renowned people on my show that I just reached out and made a connection with. And I kind of just said, you know, I'm doing this this podcast. I know you're really busy. I'm very respectful of your time. But if you were ever open to it, I'd love the chance to talk to you. And I was blown away by how many people said, yes, I'd love to do that. And I'm looking at going, well, wait a second. You're not even supposed to reply to my message in the first place because you have no idea who I am. But it's about being genuine. And it's also about not coming across as I want something from you. Like that, like I had, like I had going back to Jamie Wallam, I was so inspired by his story on your show that I just reached out to him and had a conversation. And then we we talked for a little bit and I I mentioned I was doing a show and he, and he really was humbled to be on my show. And I'm working on having him on my show again. And we've become friends. And I've actually maintained connections and in some cases friendships with some of the people that I've interviewed that I didn't think I'd even have access to in the first place and to me that's where the real value comes into play because there's power in this this community and some of the guests that I've reached out to I reached out to because I heard them on your show and I was blown away by their story and I'm humbled by some of the people that I reached out to they say oh we're so excited and so honored to be on your show I'm like but but why <laughs> because, because I I'm not significant. I'm just starting out on this, but it's really just about respect. Mm-hmm. Well, now that there's now that everybody has a podcast, yes, you know, it's it's granted we've been we've been at it for a long time, but still, I mean, it doesn't mean that people are like, well, what, why yours? You know, it's like it it not it doesn't devalue it, but I mean, you it it really kind of 
it, it means that you have to to get people to listen to what you're doing you have to make sure that you're providing quality content and taking it seriously and because- and, and always striving to 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 be willing to fail and to be better. Like I, I, I'm sure there are times when you have a situation where you may have to go back and reference one of your earlier shows and you may look at those and go, I don't even think I can listen to this anymore because um, first of all, the concept of what you do may have changed or the style has made change, but it's all just part of the growing experience. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, there has been times I have, I've gone back and, and I'm like, I remember this and, and some of it, you know, it's like it's like listening to yourself play when you were a kid. You're like, man, that obviously that doesn't sound as pro, pro as it should. But also, wow, I'm playing some cool things. I don't know if I can play anymore. You know, it's it's that kind of thing too. Is yeah. um, it's not becoming complacent over time just because you know what you're doing. It still requires attention. It requires your presence, uh, even if you're, uh, you know, a seasoned veteran at whatever you're doing one of the repeat guests i had recently was a a drummer named tina raymond who lives in la and she was one of the first people i ever interviewed like i joined matt on this podcast right before i moved away from la so i just sort of banked a few la interviews and um you know at the time she was um you know, she was playing her ass off around LA, uh, and I think it'd become like adjunct drum set faculty at a community college or something. She was like, she was doing a lot of cool shit. Um, and since then she's become the head of jazz studies at Cal state Northridge and gone on to lead her own bands. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, like I said, just tons more to talk about from where she was eight years ago. But one of the reasons that I wanted to interview her again was because I felt that I did such a shitty job the first time around um, because I was just totally inexperienced in like leading a conversation that way. Um, she she had a calmness and a confidence about her that just made me freak out and feel like I didn't deserve to be there. Like she was, you know, and she wasn't, you know, aggressive or off-putting in any way. She was just like sitting there looking me in the eye, giving clear confident not too long answers and i was just flummoxed i was like i don't know what to do i I don't have enough questions i don't know what to say in response to that so i haven't gone back and listened to that interview and i don't know if i will but i i do know that it was way shorter than it should have been and i i did not do great so i got to have like a little bit of a (laughs) redemptive experience with you know the the skills that i've developed as an interviewer in the uh intervening eight years (laughs) well when i first started out i would write out all my questions so i had a plan and then i would usually write out exactly how i was going to start and i still will will do that on on many occasions and usually within about two minutes it goes in a different direction and then you're trying to go okay okay well wait a second how do i go back to the order that i had on the page and the answer is you don't you just yeah. have to you just have to go in the direction that it's intended to go in and you may not get to three quarters of the questions on the page and suddenly the questions that had significant value are no longer of value in that particular conversation they may come yep. into value the second time you connect with something and and i've had guests that once we hit stop 
we still chatted for half an hour afterwards and then you go in another direction and then you're that at that point you go okay well wait a second now that inspires something else so now this is a conversation that i want to revisit and some conversations are ones to have between your guest and you and other ones are conversations that you want to share with the community but it's really just about finding that balance and i think it's something that both of you do exceptionally well thank you I've, so something that I think has served me as an interviewer is, um, you know, asking questions and covering topics that I am actually interested in mm -hmm. and not trying to, um, you know, you definitely want to, you definitely don't want to cover ground that's already been covered in a different interview. Um, but I also tend to avoid, um, you know, the sort of obvious questions. If there's an obvious question that I am generally or I keep using generally, genuinely, if there's an obvious question that I am genuinely interested in the answer to, I will cover it. But if, you know, if there's a question that everybody expects to be asked of Dave Weckl, and I don't give a fuck about the answer <laughs> or that topic, I'm not going to cover it. And I, you know, we, we haven't really gotten any pushback about that. Nobody's getting online saying like, why didn't you ask him about this, that, and the other, but like, just, um, going into a conversation knowing what i want to learn from this person and not what i think the drum community writ large or the online army of unfuckable hate nerds wants to know <laughs> um you know that that uh, that's actually a mark Marin. i stole it from mark Marin. um uh but it's it's like it's like playing what you want to hear right if if you're an interviewer, be part of a conversation that you would want to listen to. Um, and I, I'm, I'm able to do that more and more, I think. Yeah. One of the guests that I had on about halfway through my, my podcast journey was Liberty DeVito, who I've been a fan of for like, since I was a kid, I, you know, part of my development as a musician was to sit in my music room, put on Billy Joel records and just play as loud as I could. And I just, I loved the energy and the vibe that I got off. And he was very influential in, um, in, in my development as a player. And I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. And I thought, well, that was ridiculously easy <laughs> to actually connect with with him for this and then it happened fairly quickly and i did a lot of research and i i read his i read his book twice and i went through and i made a bunch of notes and things and then even the day of i, I well, a couple of days up to that is listening to multiple interviews that they did because i wanted to get a, a feel for what he likes to talk about you know what his communication style is what are the questions that everyone is always asking and it tends to be the same sorts of things and i thought i don't want to do that but i had some standard things set up and then and then the afternoon of the interview i suddenly looked at my questions and i thought i don't want to go in this direction I want to go in a different direction. So I literally came home and switched everything around. I grabbed all of my Billy Joel albums off the shelf. I stacked them on my desk by my monitor. And I thought, I want to go into fan mode because <laughs> his story is out there. There's a book. You want to learn all the story. You can buy his book. I want people to buy the book. It's a, it's a great read. I have questions about the experiences of making these records that were so joyful in my life. And so I literally one at a time, we didn't go through every track, but literally one at a time, I would take them, take the ones off. And I'd pick a couple of tracks about those experiences. And I got the answers 
that I was always curious about. And for me, it made a much more successful interview because in his book, he goes through every track on every record that he did. And there's a, like a little paragraph blurb on them. And I thought for me, that was the conversation I wanted to have, not just the one that I felt like I was supposed to have. And it was much more successful that way because sometimes you just have to pivot and, and go with your instincts. Going, going back to what you know is right for you versus what you've been told you should want your whole life. <laughs> well, Producing nobody, a yeah. podcast is no different. Yeah. No, nobody really wants to listen to you pretend that you're someone else. They really want are much more interested in what you actually have to, to say. And that involves honest, open conversation. Yeah. Right. Which is why I refuse to not cuss on our podcast. <laughs> we've, yeah, we've gotten a little bit, yeah it's we've got a, a little bit of blowback from one or two people about like uh, i really like the interviews but man do you have to cuss so much and i'm like fuck yes i do this is who i am yeah. and i'm not gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had one guest recently and their condition for being on my show is that it i had to be okay with them you know, swearing if that was the if that was the direction it took him, and I'm like, abs absolutely, that's that's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't find it offensive. That's just part of the communication skills, and I I I love the rawness of your show because it's also incredibly deep and incredibly inspiring. And I don't I want you guys just to keep you know pushing what you're doing um, because I'm committed to every episode from here on that you guys are doing. I'm a huge fan. Thanks, Michael. Well, I honestly, thanks so much, man. Yeah, yeah. You got to be a fan of your own show too. You know, you got to yeah. like and, and feel good about it. And it is interesting that Zach, you know, it's like you, you ask about things you're generally curious about, and it, and because because this is what we do, because we play drums, it's like it. it a lot of these questions come organically, and a lot of the directions we want to take or the guests we want to interview have a lot to do with where we're at at this particular point. You know, a few years ago, I would have gone down a different path to find the guests. And and it's like we find ourselves, or I do, like the guests we've got coming out this week is uh, Brandon Green with Drum Mechanics. And, you know, it's like him as a, you know, a, a personal trainer and works directly with drummers and deals with repetitive stress injuries. It's like that's where my head is at now, you know, as a player at, at my age and what I'm doing and what I'm dealing with. It's like so that is i'm just like so when you hear me talking to him it's i'm excited because it's mm -hmm. where i'm at you know and sometimes we've had guests we've had opportunities to, to talk to somebody or an opportunity will come up with a guest and i'll be like zach you should interview this person uh, right. i feel like this is your this is more your world i can do it but like i don't know i want to hear you interview them and that's kind of the luxury we have as a as a as as you know this partnership is that we can bounce we we come from different places we're doing different kinds of gigs you know and all this stuff so i feel like it offers that broad perspective that that is a, just a little bit unique um yeah so. if uh if if matt if, if a guest comes along and and matt isn't capable of the uh, profanity necessary <laughs> to get the best out of that guest i <laughs> he passes it to me i'm learning i'm learning <laughs> show me right now show me <laughs> the fruit man <laughs> we've, we've been at this for a couple hours and so i want to be once again respectful of your time but kind of if um to wind up here for each of you 
what are, and this may be not a, a short question, but what are the things that are most joyful in your life right now that makes all of this, all, all of the experiences that you have learned um, worthwhile? Jesus. Whew. Um, you know, well, it, it, it could be you're at a place in your career that all of the challenges have been worth it because you've achieved what you're what you've always strived for. Or maybe you ended up going in a direction you didn't intend that offered something that you didn't expect in a positive way. I, I think I think it, it it kind of parallels with what Bill Stewart was saying is being being content uh, and not feeling like we're always moving forward. And the podcast has been really instrumental in giving me peace of mind that what I'm doing is 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 worthwhile, is legit. Uh, it's legit work, and I should pause and take joy in what I've accomplished as a human being beyond drumming, beyond my drumming career and everything like that. Um, and uh, because it, 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 just, it, it gives me some focus on what's most important. And again, living a good life and being so um, I think that's that's been I don't remember exactly how you worded the question, but I mean, that that's that's what I feel I can kind of slow down and I'm, I'm just I'm in a lot better place and more patient with myself and kinder to myself because I know that uh, we're all kind of in this together. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so when I hear the stories and I interview people and I'm like, man, they're struggling with the same things as me or like Zach, what you were saying, uh, just because this person has this gig that on the surface looks like it would be amazing and I wish I had it underneath the surface. I'm so grateful I have the gig, the gigs that I have, because mm -hmm. everything else in my life has, um, I've had to put it, I've had to prioritize it because that's more valuable to me and has given me more joy in my life, uh, making sure that my priorities are straight and it's not just the next gig, the next whatever, or being able to play like this or play like that, because that's, I think, is a losing battle. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's similar. Like, obviously, um, I'm in the middle of the biggest, coolest gig I've ever done. Um, so just on, on that level, I'm feeling an incredible amount of fulfillment and, and gratitude, uh, because, um, you know, this gig on ain't too proud, uh, in terms of the scale of it in terms of the quality in terms of the money in terms of sort of the platform it gives me it it represents a level that i have wanted to be at for a long time um i was thinking the other day it reminds me of when i did drum corps um because i had like my experience in drum corps was like i was in i was in drumline all through high school and my high school drumline just sucked <laughs> and I, like i was the most serious one in it i wanted us to be the fucking cavaliers and we just weren't um and so i you know i got out of high school i went into college and and i did blue nights in the summer of 99 and that was the first experience i had where everyone around me was as good or better than me was as committed or more or more so than i was and I'm getting to experience that now on this gig. So that's incredibly cool um, and brings me a lot of joy and fulfillment. Um, 
But just on a personal level, it's been fucking hard because I'm away from Christina most of the time. And, you know, we're we're good. We're no less committed to each other. Um, but it has been tough. And there have been, you know, a number of other some setbacks and, and other just sort of like transitions in our life together, um, whether, you know, some of it has to do with professional stuff. Some of it has to do with family stuff. Um, uh, and this, this gig, my absence is like really hanging a lantern on all of it, um, and making those things harder to deal with, not necessarily harder to deal deal with, but there's more urgency to Mm -hmm. deal with them. Um, so I'm feeling, uh, you know, on, on the one hand, like it's, it's hard, it's tough work to do together. Um, but we're we're doing it and i feel confident that this uh gig and this process we're going through um is gonna make us you know stronger as individuals and as a couple and better together and it's not that we were bad before but you know this is just presented fucking challenges <laughs> that, that have needed it will, to, it will come out stronger yeah yeah, I, I can attest to Because in all of our cases, it's not just about what we want to achieve. It's about what we want to achieve, finding that balance with the partners that we are meant to be with. And right. I've accomplished more in my life because my wife has pushed me in directions that I never was confident enough to take in the first place, even though if if the, um, the situation reversed, she would never take the same opportunities that I would have taken because they're out of her comfort zone, but you need someone to kind of give you that, that kick and also really also be a cheerleader for those successes um, as as well too. So I think we're all very blessed that we were able to find that in our lives. So for sure. So it's been an absolute pleasure. This to me, like I said, because I'm such a huge fan of your show and, and both of you, it's been amazing opportunity to connect with you. And I hope, that at some point we get to connect in person. Zach, I'm coming to your show in December, so let's try and hook up in person. And Matt, I know, man. I know some of your touring gigs sometimes bring you down to, to Canada. And so at some point, I would love the opportunity to, to meet you in person yeah. as well. Too. That'd be amazing. Zach, it would yeah. be great to meet, meet you in person sometime. Yeah, we should really make that happen at, at some point. Um, I, I don't know what you smell like. I'm, I've been wondering. <laughs> um <laughs> because we've Uh, gone on two hours here i most likely will probably split this into two episodes okay sure and um and i will definitely get this one out shortly but as i said it's it's i wish you both the best of success um because what you're doing is not only inspiring but essential to our community thank Thank you you so much man we really appreciate uh talking with you really appreciate you having us on and and just uh so much thanks and gratitude for you being such a dedicated follower yeah if there's anything you need from us uh, don't hesitate reach out man yeah means a lot I'll, i'll definitely reach out so all the best to both of you cheers man thank you take it easy been listening to the drummer's pathway podcast please share and subscribe to get the word out and let's keep the discussion going thanks for listening and i'll see you next time